Hi, I'm Greg Murphy and I'm here with Nathan Wallace, neuroscience educator. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about distraction, the brain and driving. Good to see you, Nathan. Oh, kia ora, Greg. So let's break down um, a, a bunch of different um, sort of situations when it comes to driving. There's, there's a lot there and, and yep. try and uh, put that into uh, what parts of the brain are doing what and why. So yep. if we, we look first up, we've got a, you know, a real big problem these days. Um, while driving, people driving is distraction, right? right distraction yeah. is a is 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 a much bigger cause of of you know crashes and probably uh, road toll stuff, uh, you know, road toll numbers than than yeah. what it actually we know because yeah. you know when someone has a crash and their mobile phone goes flying somewhere or whatever yeah, or yeah. someone dies or those yeah. kinds of things, we don't know exactly what they were doing at the time necessarily. No. Right. But but distraction is becoming huge. You don't have to go far these days to see someone on their mobile phone, right? You can yep. basically leave your driveway and within a few minutes, seconds, you're seeing someone being distracted with the phone. So yeah. what happens there? You know, what's what what's going on in our brains to to perceive or see or or, or you know think that that's okay to do that? Is that is that you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a multifaceted thing. It's not just one thing. Some of it is because we are incredibly social creatures. Human beings are interdependent creatures. We our and most of your brain as a biological unit is there for the purpose of interacting with other brains. So we're incredibly social. So I mean, because the major distraction is a cell phone. And it's not so much the electronic beeping or something that's distracting you, it's the idea that it's a connection to somebody else, a relationship. That, that information tends to be prioritised as being important in your brain. And because of course if you're driving, a lot of the driving is that automatic behaviour. You know, if there's no number that's coming up, you only need that number two. So you can sort of fool your brain into thinking, I can spare the resources of brain number one. Yeah. And you kind of can if nothing else novel happens on the road. That automatic behaviour, you know, can kick in. I think we've all had the experience of, um, you know, if you suddenly are aware that you're not, you can't really remember the last five minutes of yep. driving. So you haven't been using that frontal cortex. Luckily, nothing novel's happened in that time, so you've been able to just use that brain number two. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a temp temptation to give in, especially if it's social interaction. And so then... The brain then gets used to that if nothing happens. Yeah, yeah, if that's right. Nothing goes wrong. That's right. And so you know, you have um, most of the time when you have been distracted and you've seen the cell phone and you've just quickly opened it up to see who the text is and carried on driving, you've probably never had an accident. So the brain now perceives you're a bit bulletproof with that, and especially if you're an adolescent. But even with an adult, you've now got a hundred percent success rate of having had a quick look at your phone and not had an accident. So it's hard to get your brain to realise that, yeah, it's inevitable though that, you know, if it's going to take a thousand distractions and you only have an accident once a thousand times, you're eventually going to get to that thousand number. The only way to prevent it is to have, you know, things in place where you're not distracted by that. Does it become a, like, and is it, does it become an addiction? Yeah, well the cell phone does because yeah. it's a social connection. So, yeah, you are, all humans in lots of ways are addicted to social connection. That's just how our brains are wired. You literally are getting all the things that make you feel good, all the endorphins, all the serotonin and the dopamine and stuff. I mean, that's primarily re uh, released through interaction with others. So they're literally getting a little burst of dopamine um, from the cell every phone time. every time they get a text. Yeah. And they read the text. Oh, yeah, there's, you know, mum saying my lunch is ready or, you know. Doesn't matter who it is, you're going to get a little burst because it's a social interaction. And and if and if you continue to do that, nothing bad happens or nothing goes wrong. That yeah, that yeah. increases. That's right. You, your brain has taken that statistical thing that oh well, I've had a hundred percent success rate, so it starts to think it's bulletproof. Mm. Yeah, your brain's also. I mean, like I say, it's multi-layered because there's the social reward from talking to other people, but your brain's also d designed to spot other dangers in the environment. So you're supposed to be a little bit distracted because you're driving. 
using mainly that brain number two, in lots of ways brain number four is looking for distractions. What's different? What should I pay more yep. attention to? All oh, those brake lights up there. So it's looking for that novelty stuff in the environment. So in some ways it's, it's programmed in a way to look for distractions. That's what it's doing in order to stay safe. So it's like we're, we're looking to find the distractions that we are supposed to give attention to. When there's brake lights on up there, we're supposed to pay attention to that. When there's suddenly something on the road that we don't expect to be there, we're supposed to pay attention to that. So you're looking for the distraction, but at the same time, you don't want them to be distracted by the cell phone going off or the pretty girl changing a tyre on the side of the road. You know, the things that you don't need to be distracted by, they're just going to make it dangerous. Yeah. Mm. So for um, looking at, uh, you know, uh, truck drivers, transport operators, um, you know, you're sitting, you're sitting in a cab of a truck by yourself yeah. mm -hmm. for a very long periods of time, potentially, yeah. you know, on you know long haul kind yeah. of routes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's it's almost it's is, almost impossible. It's like a drug, you know, that's sitting there right beside you to get this little hit of dopamine. Human beings are kind of dopamine junkies. That's what we all are. That's you you want novel experience. You know, when you do something the first time and it's new novel experience, you release all this dopamine. Um, once you've done things four or five times, you still release serotonin, but not necessarily the dopamine. Yep, yep. The dopamine has to come from novel experience or it comes from social interaction. So the way drugs work is by releasing that dopamine in your brain. So yeah, the cell phone is kind of doing the same thing. It's giving you that little dopamine hit. So you do become kind of addicted to having the cell phone. And like you say, if you're isolated in a cab by yourself for long periods of time, the human brain doesn't like that. Isolation is the, is the root cause of mental illness. So the number one cause of mental illness is isolation. So when you're a truck driver sitting in a cab for a long period of time and you're isolated, and there's this little dopamine hit there of social connection you can get from the side, it does take some amount of regulation not to keep doing that. And especially, like you say, because you've had a 100% success rate yeah. at checking my cell phone and, um, and not having an accident. But then, uh, I, I mean, I don't know, everyone's different, I suppose, but it, it then just becomes habitual, wouldn't it? Yeah, yep, it does. Mm -hmm. You're not even really assessing it you know, when you go to do it. It's also that we're always trying to save time. We're always in a hurry. So the idea that I'm going to pull over and find a place to park and pull over to the side of the road yeah. and then check yeah. my cell phone seems very responsible and mature, but we've normally got this other, again, that warrior thing of competitiveness and I want to do my job well. And traditionally there has been kudos and getting it done on time, getting it done faster. You know, you can build up a culture around that that sees that you, you, the culture is rewarding it as well. What do we, what do, we do then to try and, you know, for, focus on just, you know, on our, on our truck drivers mm -hmm. and what they're doing and, yeah. and these distractions and the stuff that's happening. And, and I'm pretty sure it's got to be just about every single one of them has got to say that they've yep. been in this situation. Yeah. I mean, what, 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 what can we do? How do we sort of try and work mm. to, to take that part of it away so that they are actually more, less distracted and more focused. And, uh, yeah, again, that's going to be multifaceted. Part multi of it is doing exactly what we're doing here, Get, giving people an opportunity to understand what's happening in the brain. We call it metacognition, just meaning that you understand how your own brain works. So if you understand that by the time you have registered that you've you know, like nodded off, I mean, we're talking about distraction, but by the time you've registered that you nodded off, you've probably had several microsleeps. If you understand, if you've got metacognition and knows that how the brain works, if you have noticed that um, that you um, didn't notice something, that suddenly a car comes out from the side and you hadn't really registered that they were there, then that's telling you that your brain is fatigued rather than dismissing it. Yeah, some of it is just knowing how the brain works. Some of it is, you have to address the culture of the workplace. If there is this culture that 
you got you did the drive in seven hours and I take eight hours, so therefore you're a better driver, then it's very hard for us to tell that person to slow down because the kudos isn't doing it in the less space of time. Mm. So a lot of it's to do with the culture of the workplace. And then that ties in, you know, the, the people who are the most experienced in the workplace. The older people in the workplace, they tend to leave that culture a whole lot because, you know, they've been in industry longer. So if we're going to change that, I think it is about metacognition, but it's about also getting on board the people who lead that culture, the leaders in it, the truck drivers who have been doing it for years and know their craft and getting them on side and understanding it because, you know, they will sort of set the culture up for the new drivers that come in and tell them, are the new 20-year-old drivers that are coming in now, are they picking up on a culture that it's better to have done it in seven hours than yep. eight hours, you know? And whether that's happening or not will be very dependent on the ones who have been there 20 years and, and the culture that they're leading. So mm. getting them on side, I think, is key. With someone being distracted, they've picked their phone up Right. Right, they're driving, pick the phone up, they've looked at it, you mm -hmm. know, read a text. Yep. Uh, you know, for, you know, four seconds, five seconds, yeah. off, not got their eyes on the road, yep. using a peripheral sort of probably vision just yep. to, you know. Yeah. And they put that down and back to it again. Is there, what's the, the go with the brain then readjusting itself? From doing that to then yeah. back on back on task. Yeah, much longer than people think. You know, because you, it feels like you know that you can look at that text for only a couple of seconds, and then you can go straight back to the road. I mean, what you said there, like you're using your peripheral vision, that's a bit of an illusion too. You're not yep. when you when you're reading that text. There is no peripheral vision on the road. You're just not looking, right? You might tell yourself that, but that's, well, in order to read that people text, people are uh, believing yeah, that they are believing right? that they yeah. are because yeah. you, you like that. But it's it's false. To be able to read that text, you have to actually put all your focus on that. But then people think, oh, well, that only might take me two seconds. I go, dinner's at seven. And then I'm back on the road and instantly focus my attention. But it's not really how the brain works. You know, to move its focus from one place to another, I mean, that's going to take much longer than a second. You know, that's going to, I think the average is like four or five seconds. But the point is because most of your brain and what you see is not really what you're seeing. This is where people get confused because we can actually put numbers on it. 93% of what you're seeing in front of you is not really what you're seeing. It's prediction. Only, only 7% is actual pixels of light, you know, hitting your brain and telling you what's there. Like a way to understand that is that your brain knows that roofs don't disappear and appear and disappear and reappear. So you are not, you, your brain is just assuming that roof stays there. It is not using its 7% to constantly check that the roof's still there. It's learned to predict that roofs stay there, right? So in that way, that's why actually 93% of what you're seeing is actually based on your prediction of what you think you're going to see. And then 7% is left for picking up the novelty. So if suddenly the roof does disappear, you notice that because the 7% picks that up. But that's going to take, you know, multiple seconds. So, so when you have looked at your phone and you come back to the road, you think you're seeing the road, but most of that's the prediction of what you're going to see. It's see. actually going to take about five seconds before your brain is ready to tune into being able to see the novel thing. So I've got, I think I've got an example of that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's a big reason why people pull out in front of motorcycles right. because they sit at an intersection yeah but they perceive you know what they um again that seven percent but the 93 percent is yeah. what they you know is just expect to see expect to see mm -hmm. and they expect to see bigger vehicles they expect yep. to see cars or trucks they mm -hmm. don't expect to see because there are a smaller number of motorcycles on the road yep they don't look for them because at the majority of the time yes it's a car or a truck or a larger vehicle mm -hmm. so they look look there's a motorcycle right there yeah but they don't see it yeah and they, they pull it in front of it their brain just actually blinked it out 
And it's hard to get people to understand that, that your brain is doing that. Actually, the way I get people to understand it is to point out to them that your nose is actually in your field of vision all of the time. Yeah. You know, and yet now that I've made you aware of that, you You're start to notice that, oh, my nose is in my field of vision. But it wasn't there before, before because your brain has decided that we don't need to see that. So it rules it out and it falls in the picture. So that's just an example for people that you are really seeing what you want to see if you're really seeing what was there. If you're really perceiving exactly what's there, you would, not only would you see your nose all the time, your heart beating would be quite a loud noise of distraction in the background. And yet it's not. Your brain has ruled out the sound of your heart and it's ruled out your nose. Um, so that gives people a nice practical example of no matter how sure you are, you, you are seeing what you predict to see. So we, yeah, when you have distracted from the phone, you go back to the road, for a good four or five seconds, you're seeing a nice clear road, but yeah. you're not seeing that motorcycle because your brain just like it's it's is what ruled it's out the nose, it's ruled it out that... Yeah bike because it doesn't see it as there. And it's just hard to convince people that, that that's what's happening. So distraction must be something that you've been, you know, like when I think of racing car drivers, you think of getting in and going hard for a short space of time. So that doesn't immediately make me think of distraction. I mean, I'm sure there was distractions there as well. But what about long races like Bathurst where you are driving for a long time and, and you have, I imagine you've got you know, people radioing in and all the different hazards that happen on the road. Like, do you guys have specific training as race drivers for dealing with distraction stuff like that? No, not so much. I, I, you know, again, I think it's it's one of those things that you just expected, right? You're right. expected to deal with it. I mean, you, you know, you do have a lot to focus on mm. when you get in that environment. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you, there's a job to do. There's perceived very high risk and I suppose if you're not doing your job properly and if you are distracted with thoughts mm -hmm. more than anything because obviously when you're in a race car um, you know there's uh, you're, you're focused on trying to be the best you can be every single time you put your foot on the brake every time you turn the steering wheel every time you yeah. you go into a corner trying to maximize corner speed and, and control the vehicle so there's a lot going on yeah a lot going on at at, at high rates that yeah. that does keep focus but I, I mean, I know there's, there's times, and, and for example, I suppose a safety car. So yeah. we're driving along, racing, you, you're in the zone, you've got a car in front of you, next minute someone has a, a, a crash and yeah. then the safety car comes out. So you can imagine being in that zone where you, you, you tunnel vision on what's going on mm -hmm. around you. Yep. You know what's going on around you, your brain is functioning in that space of concentration and then it gets, yep. and then all of a sudden, whoa, down, we drop, you know, your heart rate drops down. Uh, the, the load comes off, you're not trying to drive yeah. fast anymore. And so that yeah, was always yeah. a distraction. So being able to actually fire back up and, and, and the team going, okay, we're gonna, it's going back to racing this lap. Yep. You know, getting yourself back in that zone. Okay, yeah. Was, um, and, and we see, there's a, there's a phrase that I get used, safety cars breed safety cars. So right. there's a safety car, it's you're an hour into a two hour race, say for example, you're on lap uh, 42 of, of yeah. 75 and you've been in the zone and you've just been doing what you do, hitting your marks, driving fast, and then all of a sudden it goes into a lull, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. you cool down and, and everything yeah. takes a breath and you're not in that zone anymore. Yeah. And then to fire back up and get back into that zone, mm -hmm. Um, that comes with experience, and so so safety cars breed safety cars. Safety car comes out, people then go racing again, and they make a mistake. Right. Okay. Right straight away. So yep. that happens, you know, mm -hmm. because that, that distraction was the fact that you went into this lull. Yeah, so yeah. getting back on, on on the in the zone again. And relating all that to brain waves and the different brain waves that you're changing from yeah. being in that sort of beta, yep. and then slipping down to alpha, and then having to get back up to beta again. Yeah.
and but but you know, uh, yeah, I'm sure, I think all race car drivers have had things pop into their brain for whatever reason yep. that is completely unrelated to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yep, you know that happens, and mm -hmm. and you know it's a it's a moment of of um, distraction there where yep. that you know you you're taken away, which is exactly what happens when people are yep. driving on mm. the roads. You know that has happened over time. Have I gone and biffed it into a fence because of that? I, I, I actually, yeah. I'd have to think about that. But, but the team talking to you, you know, mm. um, coming on the radio at the wrong place just as you're going into a braking zone at, at 260 kilometres an hour. Right. Yep, yep. You know, those can all they can all be distractions too. But then, yeah, I mean, uh, how you deal with those things, and uh, and I don't know how. Sometimes you just yep. you just do and you move on and you carry on and. Uh, there's moments that are worse than others. Um, is there procedural things that the, the team can do so. around you, like to make sure that they're not interrupting that's the right. key moments? And that's right. And that's a communication, understanding thing, a yeah. remind. You know, it's not just like we, we say it once and then and forget about some of that stuff because we do get ex people get excited. You know, things going on in the pit that I can't yeah. see, so they, they talk to you or whatever mm. uh, information that you're, that you're given. Some people, do, some people like a lot of information. Some people deal with that and actually utilise that for for actually doing their job better. I was never one that wanted a lot of information. Right. If, if I needed, if I wanted to know something, I'd ask for it. Yep. But other than if I was, because I just didn't like being being interrupted, Okay, you were distracted all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and being given information that I just didn't need or that mm -hmm. was irrelevant to what I was actually doing at the time. Yeah, yeah. So, But some, some drivers actually, you know, need that or want that. They want more information. They want to know everything yep. that's going on around them that they can't see while mm. they're dealing with it. So so people are different. I mean, it, it, everyone yeah. is, is very different. And experience does count, but again, you know, we all do things different. We're all built differently. And yeah. so we all have different idiosyncrasies around what 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 we need to actually perform and, and get the job done. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not just an exact algorithm, is it? I mean, I was thinking when you were saying that these ideas just come into your head randomly, I mean, that's the process of innovation and creativity. That's yeah, right. where we got some of the best ideas in the world have come yeah. from exactly that state. So it's but not like, like the brain's learned to not do that. The yeah. brain's encouraged to do that in some ways. It's just in this context, it's not the, it's not a good thing. Is there anything, I mean, it's nothing simple, but mm. what's maybe uh, something we can give people or is there, is there a couple of tips or takeaways we can we can yeah. offer up to, to, to think about and work towards to try and reduce yeah. that? Well the key is ritual and routine really. Yeah. It's breaking that, that you know, we talked about it as an addiction but if you put in a system, you know, like I'm trying to do that, that I don't check the cell phone. I mean my car's got the automatic voice activated thing so I can hear the text um, read out to me. Um, but I just have an automatic text now. I don't even try and respond to the yeah, text because yeah. I can use voice activated and technically my eyes are on the road. But I know it's still a major level yeah. of distraction. What's well, even ch even touching your radio, changing your radio, yeah, yeah, or yeah, leaning over, yeah. anything like that. Is and that stuff I know that when I'm, yeah. I'm listening to that text from someone and getting that little dopamine hit, and I'm looking up at the road, I'm actually seeing what I predict to see and not what I'm actually seeing. So I've got an automated um, text thing that goes back saying I'm, I'm driving, and so and the next time I stop, I'll, I'll, I'll get in touch with you. Yep. And um, I get a lot of positive feedback about that. People go, Oh, I need to do that. You know, it's a good idea because people yep. do recognise it's a risk, but. I think the key is routine and ritual. You've got a frontal cortex which can override that automatic behaviour. That Or oh, beep beep, I got the text and my automatic behaviour is to reach out and get it and have a quick look while I'm still driving. You have to engage your brain number four, that frontal cortex, to decide to change that. And so you put in a new routine that says, okay, I'm going to check my cell phone only when we stop. You know, um, my uncle's a truck driver. He talked about um, saying that, yeah, he's, he made a rule in his head that he only reads text messages while he's standing up. 
because so then his automatic behavior is not to be reading texts when he's down because if he stopped he'll be getting out to move around so he says i just have it in my head now that text messages are a thing you do when you're standing not when you're sitting mm. yeah it's rituals and routines like that that will change your practice yeah and, that, and yeah. that's hard work right yeah 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 mm. well you don't want to do that by yourself either and ideally you've got the whole you know the workplace behind you so the workplace might, um, you know, rather than head office actually sending you texts on your phone while you're driving, that they change the procedure to go, any messages going to the drivers will go to the depot that they're next going to stop at. And then the messages are given there, because it can be a contradictory message for us to tell Absolutely. them not to check their cell phones, but to send their messages on their cell, cell phones. Phone. And that's just requiring even more self-control on their part. Yeah. If they get the message from the depot person, the fleet manager or something, when they get there, that's a way of the culture of the workplace supporting this idea of... Yeah. yeah, and not putting pressure on them. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, the culture of the workplace comes up over and over again because we have to undo that hundreds of thousands of years evolution, which said do as much as you can, as quick as you can, and be the fastest, and and push through the the fatigue, and push through the, and that's going to make you you know a better warrior. Mm. We got to undo 150 you know thousand years of conditioning for that. So you really need the workplace to be on board with their systems. Because it's not just what they do overtly, there's a hidden culture. It's not just saying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a hidden culture. We might say on the surface, oh, you're not supposed to do that. But actually, if the, if the hidden curriculum or the hidden culture is actually giving people kudos yep. for doing it at seven hours rather than eight and, and giving them kudos for instantly responding and not making them wait, then you're giving a contradictory message. Yep.